Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, I'm Whitney Port and this is With Wit. A lot of you may know me from reality TV, and the reality is a lot's happened since the hills. With Wit is dedicated to having real, raw, and occasionally ridiculous conversations with the people who have had a profound impact on me. Life-changing moments, life-changing people. Because on With Wit, very little is off-limits. Hi, everyone. Welcome to With Wit. This week has been a bit emotionally draining for me, if I'm being totally honest, which I always am with you all. It was Sunny's birthday yesterday, and I've just been on such a high, and sometimes with such a high can come such a low. So I just have so many emotions coming with it. The big one, obviously, being grief. Last night, I actually let myself cry for the first time in a while. I usually let myself cry all the time, but the past couple of weeks, I haven't even really needed to. Two weeks is a lot for me, so it felt really good to get it out. Now I'm reflecting and just trying to take steps to get to the next moment, to be in the moment with my work. We have the Cozy Code dropping this week, our summer launch. It's called the Sundown Collection, a little aside, but with work, with personal, with friends, with family, just with maintaining relationships, and then also with self-care. And so I thought as I take this time just to really dig into all those things and make sure I'm taking care of myself, I would put together a little series of self-care related episodes that I've shared with you in the past. I thought it would be cool to basically do like a best of featuring some of my favorite tips and conversations from three past episodes, some moments that have really impacted me, some moments that I know have really spoken to a lot of you that have listened. And I think it will be just like a great little Cliff's Notes too, for those of you who are new listeners here, a little bit of a dive into what some of the conversations on With Wit are about. So if you've heard them before, I hope they are good reminders. If you haven't, make sure to check out all the full episodes. I will list them in the description. First up is a section from the episode titled Rabbi Steve Leader on finding spirituality and floating with grief. We talked to you after my dad passed away and I remember 
you saying to me that this feeling that I have, this grief that I had, that it would always be this deep and this painful, but the amount of times I would feel it throughout the day would be less and less and less. That's right. And I have to say that is one piece of advice that I've continued to tell myself and that whenever I have someone else in my life who loses someone that I I tell to them too. My father died two years ago, two and a half years ago, after 10 years with Alzheimer's. And when I was a very young rabbi, even younger than when your father died, because I started in 1987. I think you were two or three years old. I was two. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What I used to say when I was a very young rabbi was, Whitney, the most honest and helpful thing I can say to you right now is it won't always hurt so much. And then I had experience with death and I stopped saying that. And now, ever since, I say, Whitney, the most honest and helpful thing I can say to you is it won't always hurt so often. Because grief, this has been one of the most helpful things in the whole book, I think, for people in terms of the letters and emails I'm getting. Because my generation, I'm 60 years old, and yours, we were raised under the work of Elizabeth Kubler-Ross about death, dying, and grief. And she's the one who came up with the five stages of dying and the five stages of grief. And the problem with that is that Putting grief in stages implies it's a linear process. First you feel A, then B, then C, then D, then E, and then you're done. Which we know is not the case. It's not the case. Mm -hmm. So I much prefer, and this is what I say in the book, there's a chapter called an ocean of grief. Because I think that waves are the proper metaphor for grief. When you experience a loss, the waves come very large and very close together at first. And they do, they do spread out. They do become less frequent. And yet, you can have a month, a year of beautiful calm seas, and your back is turned, and a giant rogue wave rises up and just takes you down. That's grief. It is nonlinear. Anyone who thinks the shortest distance between two points is a straight line knows nothing about grief. Let's extend that wave metaphor for a moment. There are two ways to face a wave. And all of us in California know this. Okay, yeah. (laughs) All right, so the old Steve leader, before his father died, my default setting when, when seeing a wave coming, any kind of wave, a wave of anxiety, a wave of work, a wave of sadness, my default setting was, I'm going to plant my feet, stick my chest out, face forward, and take it because I am stronger than that wave. It is not going to move me. Now, we all know what happens to people who do that sometimes. They end up thrown upside down like in a wash tub, Uh bashed against the rocks, gasping for air, scared, and alone. The better way I have learned since my father's death is when I see the wave coming, The better way for all of us is to lie down, let it wash over you, and just float with it. Just float with it until you can stand again. And maybe that's a minute, maybe that's an hour, and maybe that's a day. 
And the other thing that helps when you're floating is to reach an arm out and see if there's somebody there to help you out. You know, the Talmud says the prisoner cannot free himself. That's such a powerful idea. You know, when we feel this weight, reach out and stand up when you can. To me, that is the better way to grieve whenever the wave comes. But what, is, what does it mean physically to float? Like I know in, in my head what that metaphor means, but like... I think for me, for you, for other people who I, who I counsel, and, and a lot of this advice is in the book, mm-hmm. if that means you have to pull off the freeway to cry, yeah, pull off the freeway and cry. If that means you have to look at Timmy and say, I really miss my dad right now. Say it. If it means calling, you know, one of your sisters or your brother and saying, ah, you know what happened today? I, I, heard, I heard the lyrics to You Are My Sunshine. And I remember dad singing that to us when we were all in the station wagon. When, when we were little. I miss him so much. That's floating with it. Uh-huh. What do you do when your version of floating is more like insular and you don't want to reach out to anybody else and it's not, but it's not helpful? Like, well, how do you get out of that grief where it's just self? Mm-hmm. It, it just keeps loading more and more. On yeah. Top. Yeah. You're not, there's, and then all of a sudden there's no way yeah. out. Like, that's how I feel like I've had eight years of just not reaching not reaching out and people because people are available to me like my my husband is very supportive my family is there my default setting is to to yeah to to close up to cancel whatever Mm -hmm. i have going on in my day i don't want to be with people Mm -hmm. that's i think it's a matter of degree Mm -hmm. okay i think there's a point at which canceling and staying at home under a blanket on your father's birthday mm-hmm. or Valentine's Day, whatever. Mm-hmm. I think that's the right thing to do. I, I did a segment once on the Today Show called When the Holidays Hurt. Because the holidays are horrible for horrible. a lot of people. Yeah. And, and you do need to take care of yourself and go a different way during the holidays because nothing is more difficult than being around a bunch of happy people when, right. you're, when you're broken inside. Mm-hmm. Right? That being said, There is a line that we can cross from self-care to self-pity. Yeah. And when you feel you're crossing that line from self-care to self-pity, that's a signal to reach out to someone you love who will help lift you from your suffering. Uh I'll tell you a very interesting scientific uh, study about this. Please. So it's an old study. They took subjects and put them in a room with a bucket of ice water alone and asked them to stick their feet in the ice water. And then they timed them to see how long they could stand it. Then they took the same people, same bucket of ice, same room, but there was another person in the room with them when they did the experiment. And every single person was able to keep their feet in the ice water much longer when there was someone else in the room with them. Why? Because no one suffers pain better alone. No one. This is what the Talmud meant when it said the prisoner cannot free himself. 
So when you cross that line from self-care, I'm going to stay home. I don't want to be around a bunch of noise and people and food and booze and crap. I'm going to sit at home under a blanket with a cup of tea and read a book and think about my dad. That's fine. That's appropriate. That's self-care. But I think we all know when we drift into self-pity, and that's a signal to pick up the phone. So for me, I feel like, and this is a vast generalization, but because my dad died, everything is now gray. And even as happy as I think my life is, it's never going to be as happy as it could have been. And so I feel just like a low level of depression Mm -hmm. because it just doesn't feel complete, right? So, Yeah. (laughs) Well, it, it never will be complete in the way it was before. It never will be complete in the way it was before. This is a real loss. You haven't lost everything, but you have lost something very, very, deep and powerful and real. And I think the challenge then becomes, and this is why I called the book, The Beauty of What Remains, the challenge then becomes, can you, while while feeling the loss, also start to think about the beauty of what remains of your father? What, What is there in you that you know you got from him. And I'm sure there's plenty. Yes, there is. And I'm sure it's beautiful. Can you lean into that as a way of honoring him? Your father was beautiful in life. Can you make him beautiful in death? I hope you are enjoying this so far. How amazing is Rabbi Leader? So inspiring. Such an interesting view and a view that is necessary and something that I really hadn't heard before. So I always like hearing new insights on things that helps me broaden my horizons and self-care knowledge and allows me new words to tell myself and new ways to cope with things. So next up is actually a little bit from a solo episode. It's entitled Battling My Harshest Critic, Myself. Okay, how do I relax? First thing that I do when I find myself starting to get all up in a tizzy and work myself up about something is take some deep breaths. Like breathe in, hold it, breathe out. Breathe in, hold it, breathe out. Breathe in, hold it, breathe out. It's really hard. I tried to do this the other day. I was so upset about something. I was sitting in my car stewing about something and I was like, I'm just going to pull over I'm going to try to meditate right now. I feel like meditating will get me out of this, this like harmful, you know, mode of thinking. So I sat down and I tried to meditate and I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I couldn't concentrate. I was so just like angry about this and I turned it off and I was like, okay, don't, first of all, don't beat yourself up for turning it off. Like that's number one is don't punish yourself for, feeling like you can't relax or having these feelings. Like 
we need to stop harming ourselves with the words that we say to ourselves. You know, like I was finding myself be like, God, Whitney, why can't you just relax? Like the meditation will help. You're going to feel so much better afterwards. And then I was like, God, be a little bit easier on yourself. So maybe meditation isn't going to work for you in this moment. But like, what is? Is just sitting in the car and like breathing going to help? Maybe let's try it. So I did that. It started to relax me a little bit. I envision myself like breathing in blue and breathing out red and then try to think about is what I'm actually telling myself actually true? Is what I'm angry about actually even happening? And there it was. I was, I asked myself that question and I realized, no, Whitney, this isn't actually happening. You are basing this off of something that has happened in the past, but that may turn out differently this time. It goes back to how I treat myself. There isn't just one way I treat myself. Like I'm not overly forgiving, but I'm not overly hard on myself. And and sometimes this is the hard part about me is that I feel like I'm so many different things. And so it's hard to get a grasp on the one thing that I am in order to really like figure it out and work on it. And I was talking about this with a friend recently. I think he was saying this was something called like dialectic. I have to ask her again. But when you are a number of things, because we aren't all just one thing. Like she, she used the example, like I'm messy and I'm organized. And so it's like, how do I make sense of that? How do I talk to myself about that? How do I make peace with that? And how do I let those two things exist together without clashing and without making myself feel bad about them? So again, it's about pausing when you notice yourself talking negatively to yourself. Like, and it's so hard because sometimes you don't even realize that you're doing it. But I think it's all about normalizing, checking yourself and not allowing your brain to tell yourself lies and checking yourself and not allowing your brain to tell yourself mean things that are just too extreme. I was talking to Emily Cassell. Emily Cassell is an amazing spiritual life coach, life and business coach that I have been working with. She actually was on my podcast and you guys should check out that episode. But we were chatting last week and I was saying I was feeling really lazy and really flaky and like a huge procrastinator. And I was starting to think about how people that I work with viewed me. If someone asked them what they thought about working with me or what I was like to work with that they would say, yeah, she's really nice, but she's flaky. And you know, you can't always depend that you're going to get the things that she's promised you. And as I was saying this, I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm saying these things about myself, but they're also kind of true. Like I can't deny that I do procrastinate I do say yes to a lot of things and then I'm spread really, really thin and then I just half-ass stuff. So then people are maybe a little bit disappointed or aren't getting things done when they're supposed to. And I didn't know what to do. I was like, I am these things and and I don't want to be mean to myself and punish myself. But like, I also am not only these things and I feel like I do get a lot of stuff done. And so it's all about telling yourself that it's okay to be a number of things. It's okay to procrastinate things sometimes. And it is really good actually even to be aware of it. It's about then how can I 
reframe what I'm doing so that I'm not this person. Because it really doesn't matter what other people think of me. It matters what I think about myself. And if I do really think of myself as a procrastinator or lazy, then what can I do to make it so that I'm not doing that? And I started to really reflect on that. And I started to think, listen, maybe it's about saying no to more things. Like maybe it's really about keeping things in perspective, saying no to more things so that you're not spread too thin and you actually can give your full attention to the projects at hand. I find when you do start talking negatively about yourself or to yourself, try to shut that down. And instead of harming yourself with that negative self-talk, think about how you can change the behaviors that are making you feel that way so that you don't feel that way about yourself. And also to not expect perfection. Getting outside and doing something physical is so, so, so important. Now, I know some of us don't necessarily have the luxury of this right now with it being winter and with COVID and quarantining and whatnot, but if there is anything that you can do to get some fresh air, even if it's bundling up, going outside and jumping in the snow or doing something just to take some deep breaths outside, it's so important. I was doing tennis for a while and I was feeling so strong and so good about myself. I'm going to start doing that again. That strength I get from being outside and breathing in that air is unparalleled. There's nothing like it. The other day I went on a hike by myself. I had a free hour and I was like, okay, I could work or I could go hike. I'm going to go hike. I went on a walk. I took my earbuds. Usually I don't really want to take my phone because if I'm on my phone, I, I cannot help myself and I'll check my email and I'll start texting people, but I really wanted to do a meditation. So I took my phone and I vowed to myself that I wasn't going to look at it, but I did. So that's okay. It's okay. I tried not to beat myself up about it, even though it sounds like I'm beating myself up about it right now. But I did a meditation. I remember it was kind of a half-assed meditation sitting on the top of a mountain, but I was like, just do it. Get it done. You'll be proud of yourself. And I did. And I'm still like on a high from that. Like, even though it wasn't fully what I wanted to do, I didn't fully check out of my phone. I, I, I didn't fully do the hike that I wanted to do. I went down partially and didn't go up partially. Like it still was something. The positives that I got from it outweighed all of the negative self-talking. And so now it's working on just like soaking in all those positive things that I got from that walk and not punishing myself for the things that I maybe did wrong for my self-care, you know, like the looking at my phone portion of it or the not doing the entire walk. Because like those things are going to happen. Sometimes you're not going to have that much time or sometimes you are going to need to look at things that are timely. But don't then punish yourself on top of doing the thing that you said you weren't going to do. The most important thing that I've done lately to consistently try to avoid burning out is staying off of my phone on the weekends. And I know that that sounds obvious and something that a lot of people talk about. But again, people talk about it and do it because it actually works. Like I need the time on the weekends to re-bond with Sunny and for him to see me as a human being without a piece of technology connected to me. He needs to know that I'm engaged. And that for me 
really fills me up. Like the fact that I am fully present with him gives me so much fuel to then feel better about myself during the week when I can't necessarily be with him or be present. It's hard because social media is my job. And I feel like the more I share, the more this community grows and the more exciting things happen. But it doesn't have to be 24-7. It's more important for you to take care of you for a small amount of time for the whole of yourself and your family and your job than for you to just be going, 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 going. And now a word from our brand partner for this extra special episode, a brand that I have been using and loving for a while now, Elemis. Elemis is actually the number one luxury British skincare brand that believes in, quote, truth in beauty. One of the biggest reasons why I love them is about how apparent and truthful they are about every single thing that goes in them. And Moreover, how amazing my skin feels and bounces back after I use their products, especially the Rose Cleansing Balm, which we'll get into that is my favorite and I know a cult favorite, but if you haven't heard of it, you're actually truly missing out. Anyways, today I'm talking to you about the Cleansing Balm, the Pro Collagen Cleansing Balm, which is so amazing. I was using the Rose Cleansing Balm forever, which I'm sure you've heard about. So I've been using their Pro Collagen Cleansing Balm forever and it leaves my skin so incredibly soft, a transformative texture. It melts away every little bit of makeup grime and all the daily impurities for a super soft, like I said, smooth and glowing complexion. It nourishes as a balm and easily removes makeup as a cleansing oil and hydrates as a cleansing milk so it doesn't leave your skin feeling like dry and tight and itchy after you wash. It's basically like a spa in a jar. It has a gorgeous blend of nine essential oils, including lavender, chamomile, and eucalyptus. I'm obsessed with it. Personally, love the rose infused the most, but both are amazing. And if you have sensitive skin, they have a new one, which is their naked formulation, which is actually fragrance free. I love this balm, the Pro Collagen Cleansing Balm. It's a staple in my shower always. I swear. I want you to try it too. So for almost 20% off, visit elemis.com and enter code with wit 20 to enjoy 20% off full size products. All right, go enjoy. And then let me know what you guys think. All right, back to our episode. Hi, I'm Kara Natterson. And I'm Vanessa Kroll Bennett. We're the co-hosts of the Puberty Podcast. Each week, we dive into the what and how of raising kids through puberty, that roller coaster of physical and emotional shifts for kids and parents alike. Combining reliable science and relatable parenting strategies, we will all learn about, laugh about, and yes, maybe even cry about adolescence, ours and theirs. Well, really trying to put those words into action today. Really, really, really trying. I hope that was beneficial for you. Lastly, here is a snippet from one of my favorite episodes. One of the most impactful in terms of behaviors that I actually still use 
How to Build Habits and Make Them Stick with Dr. BJ Fogg. So what about getting ready in the morning, starting your day? How I feel like that is such an important part of your day. So what are some of the the tiny habits? It is. Okay. Guess what? (laughs) There's an entire book. Uh I only prescribe one habit. And it's in the area you're talking about. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So it goes, it's called the Maui habit. Okay. Maui habit. I go to Maui tomorrow. (laughs) Oh, Um, yes. And it goes like this. After my feet touch the floor in the morning, I will say, and so you're getting out of bed. Mm -hmm. I will say, it's going to be a great day. Do you say it out loud or in your head? I say it out loud Uh or I whisper it. If my partner is still asleep, I might just go, it's going to be a great day. (laughs) But then he'll hear me say it. I'll hear him say it. And I'm awake. (laughs) <laughs> and even when I don't think it's going to be a great day, like I'm scared about what's ahead. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, oh, I'm so tired. Yeah. I still say, it's going to be a great day somehow. Uh-huh, right. And uh-huh. that helps. And so that is the one habit. It comes on like page five. Uh-huh. I say, do this, people. It's seven words, three seconds. And what you, like exactly what you said earlier, it's such an important part of your day. Start you in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Then when you interact with your kids or your spouse or you meet a challenge or an opportunity, you respond differently to all of that, more mm-hmm. positively. So you're headed in an upward direction rather than like, damn, I don't know how I'm going to get through this day, right? right then you're headed right, downward. Right. I know. I find myself doing that sometimes. Like I'll be so overwhelmed by a day that I'll just want to wish the whole day away. Mm. And I don't, then I won't be present. You know, I like I, no offense to you, but I even did it today because I have, <gasps> today's was a really busy day yeah, for me. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, I just want to kind of get through it. And I envision myself at the end of the day and I need to continue, like not only say it's going to be a great day in the morning, but continue that messaging throughout the day. Can I share something that really happened to me this morning? Yes. It totally relates to what you just said. Yeah. So that thing I call the Maui habit, Mm -hmm. it's going to be a great day. Mm -hmm. I named it the Maui habit in honor of my friend named Charlotte, who was born in Hawaii. Okay. So before she passed away from cancer, and even before I knew she had cancer, it was about three weeks before she was hiding it from my partner and from me. She gave me a birthday card that on the front, and I brought the card. It's right there in my bag. Oh my gosh. This morning, I just decided to pull it off the fridge. It's right in my bag. And on the front of the card, it says, every day is a gift mm-hmm. with a sailboat. Mm-hmm. And she gave that to us. And it was three weeks later, she took us to our doctor's appointment. So we knew what was going on. Mm-hmm. And we we're like, oh my gosh. And then I went home and I looked at the card on her fridge and I was like, so this was what Charlotte was telling us. She knew she would die soon. Mm-hmm. And so it was that. I'm getting chills talking about this. And mm-hmm. if I break down. It's okay. <laughs> stop me. It's okay. It's anyway, okay. that, you know, looking at it on her fridge and then my partner and I talking about it, it then became the Maui habit. Mm-hmm. You know, that morphed to those seven words of saying, it's going to be a great day. Mm-hmm. And that every day is a gift. Every day is a gift. Yeah. Let's make the most of it. And what you're doing with the Maui habit, with Mm -hmm. these seven words, Mm -hmm. you're not forcing yourself to feel differently. Mm -hmm. You just say those seven words, even if it's mechanical. Okay. Just say it. Right. Even if you don't truly believe it, mm -hmm. just say it. Because that's the hard part is that I'm thinking about my day tomorrow and I'm thinking about what I don't want to (laughs) do. And I need to stop that, by the way, Um, and maybe take a deeper look at why I don't want to do it. But um, yeah, it's like really thinking about 
I don't know, the positives out of things as opposed to life's hard. Yeah. Life's hard. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you, I mean, and Instagram and other social platforms and the perception that everybody has these awesome lives is yeah. not making it any easier. No, that's for it's sure. And even though there is a lot of conversation about that, and that I've, I've talked about that a lot on my podcast and on my social media, I'm very honest and open. I try to like un- take the veil off and show people what really is going on behind closed doors. But it is hard because not most people are doing that. And so yeah. I feel especially, especially my my generation is constantly comparing ourselves to others. Yeah. So that was one of the things I wanted to talk to you about was this like my generation, my, you know, whoever's listening here, this millennial mom who feels like mm-hmm. they have to be everything to everyone. Yeah. What are some of the tiny habits that we can take on that will help us get through the day and not... Let me give three specific ones. So like I said, I've coached tons of people. I've also trained and certify people to be tiny habits coaches. And they will, some of them are millennial moms and some of them tell me what goes on. So let me give one, three examples quickly. Number one, maybe the the stack of books that you've ordered pile up and pile up and that's causing stress. Mm -hmm. One mom, busy mom, found the solution by tiny habit recipe went like this. After I buckle my seatbelt, I will push play on my audiobook player. Okay. It was that simple. And that allowed her to get through the books that were stacking up and that reduced her stress. So that's okay. one right there. Another one, this is a mom in South Africa. Yeah. Her name is Boo of okay. all things. And so she <laughs> called me, she's like, I'm so excited. Um, <laughs> what, she was having a hard time getting her kids, Her she has two boys, to put the um, their dirty clothes in the hamper. Okay. So she read my book and one of the key things is help people do what they already want to do. Mm-hmm. She thought, well, what do my boys want to do? Oh, they want to throw things. Mm-hmm. So she put up a little basketball thing over the hamper and her kids are like throwing stuff into the hamper. So it was that simple of mm-hmm. aligning what they wanted with, 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 what, with she wanted. what she needed to mm-hmm. get done. Mm-hmm. And then this won't surprise you gratitude. Mm -hmm. And one of the habits uh, that has worked well for a lot of people is after my head touches the pillow at night, Mm -hmm. I will think of one thing for which I'm grateful Mm -hmm. of the day. Mm -hmm. Now, that's a simple thing. But what it does when you know you're going to have to check in at the end of the day of something that you're grateful for, your brain or some part of you watches, you're looking for something that you can see at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. So in other words, the lens on which you're seeing the world is different. Right. You're looking for things to be grateful for rather mm-hmm. than things to be irritated by. You're so right. There was a little span of time where I was doing that at the end of the day for like two weeks, but I was making a list of 20 things. That's pretty big. Yeah, but one thing Just sounds one. a little bit... Because all you weird. have to do is put your brain, your mm-hmm. soul mm-hmm. on notice mm-hmm. that I'm looking for something to be grateful for. Let me share one that I do in my life. And this yes. might be a good one for people. Mm-hmm. After I start the shower... I think of one thing about my body for which I'm grateful. Mm -hmm. So that could be, oh, a cut healed or this skin stretches here or my hair actually grows. I'm always looking for something new. Mm -hmm. Now, that is a kind of tiny habit that I call a meanwhile habit because you're waiting for the shower to warm up. You got like 20 seconds to do something. Think of something about your body that you're grateful for. And what I think happens there, it's very hard to study this, is that you, as you start appreciating different parts of your body, then you act differently regarding your body and your health because you're in the, you're looking for things to, this marvelous 
thing that we inhabit, this physical body, right. is really fantastic. Right. And by finding the things that you appreciate, and this is where I'm making a leap. I don't have science around this. Uh-huh. But then you find reasons to take better care of it. Interesting. See what I'm saying? Totally. So speaking of your tiny habits or things that you do, I would love to know some of the things that you do every day. Well, I'll, I'll share some that might surprise you. I mean, there's the obvious ones with eating and yes. exercise and so yes. on. In the morning, rather than meditate, I've shifted from meditation to I play a tenor recorder. It's like a flute. Okay. So I sit there in the dark. And now the last week or two, I've been lighting like candles. And I sit there and I just play long tones like... And then I'll play some songs or whatever. Oh, I brought a soprano. Want me to play it? Yeah, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I really do have it in my bag. I would be down. Maybe. <laughs> maybe yeah. maybe, maybe as we close it out. Okay. So one, early in the morning, just play. the. And even if I don't feel like playing it, mm-hmm. I know like just take three breaths and get it going. And then it shifts and I'll play for 20 or 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. And over the last three years, I've actually gotten pretty good. I played for it. 900 people in London last week at wow, a big hall. Wow, good for well, you. Well, it was for jokes and make yeah. them laugh at me, but still. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> um, an, another one that might surprise people is, it has to do with nutrition, but this is an odd one, but mm-hmm. it works for me. Mm-hmm. Again, explore what works for you. For me, when I go to eat an apple as a snack, I only eat the peel, the skin. What do you call it? The, yeah. Yeah, I the only peel. eat the yeah. outside and I throw the rest away. You know what's weird? I have a weird apple habit too, but I don't know what it means. Every time I eat an apple, I have to twist the stem off yeah. and do the ABCs and see what letter. It used to be when I was younger, I think it was because like whatever letter I it came off on, I was like, oh, that's the first letter of the the man that I will marry. Like it would come off at yeah. S and I'd be like, oh my God, I'm going to marry Sean. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. Here's what <laughs> so, you do. Why, it's such a random thing. But now you, I just keep, I have to do it all the time. You have just pitched me a softball. I love this. <laughs> here's what. So here's what you do for any existing routine you already have, mm-hmm. whether it's starting the coffee maker, or twisting the stem <laughs> off the apple. Yeah. You can then use that to remind you to do a new habit. Okay. So okay. as you twist it off and you count A, B, C, Maybe if it comes up the letter F, think of a friend in your life who you appreciate whose name starts with the letter F. Mm-hmm. Okay, so mm-hmm. you do the same routine, but then mm-hmm. you map it to create a new habit yeah. that you want. Yeah. And I'm suggesting one that's about relationships and appreciation mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. reasons that you and everybody listening understand. Right. So anything you already do can be, I call it an anchor. Uh-huh. So whether that's turning on the shower, buckling your seatbelt, Uh, starting the coffee maker, walking in the door after you get home from work can then be your reminder. You can put a new habit right after that. Mm -hmm. So you have basically real estate you can develop. Right, like it's already a habit that just needs to be reprogrammed a little. And you just add something on to Mm -hmm. it. I call it anchoring. So you tie the new habit onto something solid you already do. And I've never heard the twisting the apple stem. It's so weird. I'm going to use that example in the future. Can I? Yeah, of course. I love it. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much for checking out this little mashup. I hope you enjoyed it. Let me know by leaving a review if you like this kind of content, if you're new here and are excited to listen to more. I'll do more of these in the future if you're into it. Take care of yourselves and chat with you next week.
Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you loved this episode. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. I'd love to hear what you think and anything more or even less you'd want to hear about. Tune in every Tuesday for a new episode. If you want to know more about what I'm up to, you can find me on Instagram at Whitney E. Port, my website, WhitneyPort.com, and my YouTube channel, Whitney Port. Peace in the streets. <laughs>